All right, everybody, welcome back. It is another episode of StuCast, and today we're doing uh, an elongated version of the college basketball show. College football's over, <clears throat> so we're going to get back at it hot and heavy with college basketball. Coming up, Spencer Luganbill will join me, preview the uh, card for tomorrow. Got a lot of great games. And <clears throat> I think we're starting with the new league. I think it's the Atlantic Sun, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but first, we're going to lead off with a guy I've been trying to get on for a minute. He's one half of the Sleepers podcast. He is one half of the Unscripted podcast and a YouTube show that's only available on the field of 68. One of, one of my go-tos uh, to watch for college basketball information. He is Carter Elliott. Big Cat, how are you, big man? What's going on? I appreciate the introduction. You're making me sound a whole lot cooler. And like I know college basketball more than I do, but I greatly appreciate it. Uh, glad we finally got to do this and get on. Um, you know, I'm excited about it. Well, any guy that gets to talk to uh, Keegan Murray, and even though I'm a Spartan, I can fanboy out, uh, which it looked like Greg did a little bit in that episode, but yeah, um, I, I, I kept I kept it under wraps a little bit, but I was I was definitely I was I think I was still in the shock phase that he said yes. Like we turned it around pretty quickly. He said yes to us like that morning. We're like, oh, my God, like we got Keegan Murray. Let's set up. I didn't really hit me till after the episode drop. I was like, oh, my God, we actually had Keegan Murray on, which was pretty cool. Really, dude, you know, he, cool, humble he seems, dude. He, it was a good it was a good interview. It was a good show. Um, we're going to get to him. But man, what a hell of a ball player. He's fun oh, to man. watch. So good. Um, you're a oh, big tank guy. Oh, hey, you oh, oh, a little ball at Albion. Um, sorry about that. No, you're good. We're not Alma fans here, so I think you're in luck. Um, you played a little ball at Albion. You come from that Midwest background, so I think you're the perfect guy to come in and, and talk some Big Ten basketball, especially since you run a uh, – you're part of a Michigan State-centric uh, – show unscripted again on the field of 68 network let's start with the spartans the the varsity let's let's start with the varsity team here i coming into the season i thought you know it there's some growing pains there's going to be you know some trials tribulation they'll grind out a season they'll grind out a playoff appearance tournament appearance and it looks like they're actually grinding out a possible chance, real le legitimate shot at winning this conference four to one this morning, as I, as I looked in the book, um, what, what's your thoughts so far? I mean, who's unsung heroes for this team? Cause they don't really have a superstar. Yeah. You know, it, it, it came to a point where last year, Michigan state basketball, it was just, I mean, I can't put into words how tough it was to watch Michigan state basketball in that state. Uh, as my time as a fan, I've been a lifelong Michigan State fan. I can't really point to a time where they were really that bad. Um, we were struggling to make the tournament. We made the playing game, lost in the playing game to UCLA, who eventually made a Final Four run. But it was really just a tough year. Uh, so coming into this year, really had no expectations with this team. You know, we had guys like Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham coming back for their senior years upperclassmen like Malik Hall transfer with Tyson Walker. So I was a little more optimistic about it, um, but also had to tame my expectations a little bit because I really didn't know what to expect. And they have exceeded my expectations, even the low bar that I set for them. I think this team is continuing to get better throughout the year. 
it's great to see older upperclassmen who've been in the program like Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham really step up and embrace their roles, getting the minutes, knowing that they don't have a look over their shoulder, getting pulled out in the middle of games. They're just playing the really good basketball right now. Marcus Bingham, I think, has an argument to be defensive player of the year in the Big Ten this year. He's been that good defensively. And then Gabe Brown's been a guy who we can, who we can consistently count on to get us points, give us effort, and he's bringing it in all facets of the game. So we're playing really good basketball right now. Um, I'm hoping to keep it up as we get into kind of the tougher part of our Big Ten schedule. I know we had a couple games against Minnesota, Nebraska, who, you know, no one's cupcakes in the Big Ten, but they're not the upper echelon of the Big Ten. So I'm excited to see what we do against better competition in Big Ten play. Yeah, I believe we we have Minnesota this weekend home. We have uh, uh, another taste of uh, Maryland, I believe, on Sunday. Uh, no, excuse me, Northwestern on uh, Saturday at home. So you got to imagine, got to have some more winnable games before we start playing Illinois and Purdue and those. Like, uh, I wanted to ask you about Max Christie. It, he seems to be, and this is the uh, even Miles Bridges and Jaron didn't do it. Max is letting it fly. Like, he trusts his shot, and it's a beautiful shot. He trusts himself. Izzo's let, trusting him. And he's actually like taking the bull by the horns. And for the first time in like possibly my entire lifetime, a freshman with talent is going out there and not scared to take a shot. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? With the makeup of our team this year, he has to be that guy. I mentioned earlier, you know, guys like Gabe Brown. But Gabe Brown's not necessarily a guy who, let's say it's a minute left and we need a bucket, you give him the basketball and say, go score. On this team, you know, Max Christie has to be that guy. I call him Cormac because that's his real name. That's my little, my little, I don't know why it is, but I call him Cormac. So I, he needs to be that guy. He's the one guy on this team who I think can really get his own shot. And like you said, I mean, his jump shot is just a thing of beauty. When he was struggling earlier in the year, it wasn't even a situation where I was that concerned because none of the shots were bad. Um, the jumper looks great. It's not broken. It's a beautiful shot. It just wasn't going in. That happens in basketball. That's the, that's the name of the game. Sometimes, sometimes your shots don't go in, but now he's starting to, you know, get into a groove middle of the year. He knows coach Izzo trusts him. Coach Izzo seems to actually be running more sets for him lately, which I love as well. I think he does a great job of reading ball screens, whether it come off them hard, the shooting score, but also knows when the fade to the corner as well. So I, he's just a really smart, heady basketball player. Uh, I know why Coach Izzo was raving about him in the summer, and I think he's only going to get better, and that's what we're seeing right now. He's having – he had the shooting slumps to start the year, but now he's putting on some string of games, four-time Big Ten freshman of the week these last couple of weeks. He's starting to hit his groove, and that's that's really good news for this Michigan State basketball team because we were winning basketball games without the best version of Max Christie. So if we get the best version of Max Christie, that hires the ceiling on this team, which is really exciting. So if we're talking about the varsity, let's talk about the junior varsity. Uh, what, what's going on in Ann Arbor? This this team uh, was supposed to be. Uh, I I thought they were playing in the parade route. I thought uh, I thought Juwan Howard was getting uh, enshrined in in the Hall of Fame. What happened? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much time you have, but <laughs> I'll get I'll get into it just for starters. One. They always put on their hashtag on their all their tweets from their official account for competitors only uh, hashtag for competitors only. 
that's the one issue with this team. They don't compete. Like that last game against Rutgers, they might as well just went out there and lied down on the floor. They didn't want it. Guys weren't acting like they wanted it. You got guys pointing fingers. The only guy who I can point to on Michigan's basketball team who goes out there night after night and really puts it on the line like he wants to die for the program, for the M in the middle of the court, is Eli Brooks. I think that Eli Brooks does all the right things. Uh, obviously, Hunter Dickinson is the most talented person on the team. You can count well, on Hunter him. Hunter Dickinson's uh, in the corner working on his uh, outside jumper. Yeah, I don't. You know, Hunter Dickinson just looks like he's just going through the motions. Like he already stated before this year started, like he has one more year and then he's going to go on to the next step of his basketball career, which I hope he understands is not the NBA. Uh, I don't. I don't ever see him fitting into the NBA. But this, and Luka, this team, Luka Garza made it, which is beyond my comprehension yeah but at least luca garza can shoot the ball <laughs> i guess yeah yeah Hunter dickinson can't i mean this team is just they they're bad defensively their on-court iq is really bad uh musa diabate i think is one of the more talented raw freshmen in the country but you can't play him right now because he breaks down defensively and he doesn't have the basketball iq to use his athleticism and his raw ability to take the best basketball shots i think in that game against Rutgers, I saw one of the worst baseline jumpers I've ever seen in my life. It was a terrible shot and terribly executed. And I thought that this team was going to turn a corner. I mean, you got like, you had the talent. The talent is there. You bring in the recruiting class. You bring back guys like Hunter Dickinson, Eli Brooks. This team on paper should be way better than they are. But I don't know. I, I'm really upset that the Michigan State game got canceled because I was I was predicting that State kind of took advantage of how down bad Michigan was and put like the final nail in the coffin because they lose that game. They're not making the tournament. And I honestly, right now, if I was betting, I would bet they don't make the NCAA tournament. I think this team's clocked out. They seem like they don't want to play. They seem like they have issues, a lot of finger pointing going on as well that I noticed in the press conferences. Uh, Michigan, that Michigan basketball is down extremely bad right now. And they better get it together because uh, it looks like they're playing Friday. I know the game at home against Purdue got postponed tonight. But they got to go to Champagne on Friday, and that is not an easy place to play, and that is not an easy team to play. And I, I want to get your thoughts on Illinois, certainly a team uh, – Kofi, Kofi's, you know, Kofi, but the rest of this team, I mean, you got some players here. And I thought it was when um, Miller left and, and transferred to LSU, I was kind of like, uh, oh, you know, I, I, I don't know how far this team is going to go. But, I mean – they, they've kind of pulled it together. What's your thoughts on Illinois so far? Yeah, my thoughts on them is, you know, a lot of the hype coming into the year was surrounded by Andre Curbelo, who take nothing away from him. I think he's going to be a good basketball, a good college basketball player. Uh, he struggled to start the year, and I just don't necessarily know if he fits with Kofi per se. Uh, I think Andre Curbelo is a player who will thrive when he figures out not to turn over the ball and not to, you know, be careless with the rock. He's a player who will excel in the pick and roll. I think that he's able to use his speed, his passing ability, and he gets a formidable jump shot. He'll be even more lethal in the pick and roll. But to me right now, Illinois is playing great basketball because they're doing what is best for Kofi, who's their best player. Kofi they is got great the most, guard rotation too, I think. Yeah, they are. I mean, Alfonso Plummer was one of the yep. great ads in the transfer portal for them. I think he's shooting around 44% from three. Guys like Frazier are shooting 40% from three. So what you're seeing right now is they have a dominant force inside in Kofi. And if you don't send a double team, Kofi Coburn is going to sco- score on most college basketball bigs. That's just is what it is. 
So if you send a double at him, if he's able to see the floor and use his passing ability, which to his credit has improved a little bit this year, I still think he gets tunnel vision at times. It's not the best. But when you're able to see out of a double team and kick to a bunch of 40% three-point shooters, it makes for a great basketball team. And that's what you're seeing right now. And this is no discredit to Andre Cabello as a college basketball player. Like I said, I think he's going to be a good one. But it's uh, kind of an addition by subtraction thing. I think the team is excelling when they have guys who are – they have five guys on the floor right now who know their role, know who the best player is, and know – you know, what to do to win basketball games. And that's why they're playing really good basketball right now. I want to give you two teams that I see as uh, they're built the same way. Um, they don't play the same way because they have two completely polar opposite coaches, but Iowa and Wisconsin, and we saw them play recently, the Badgers pulling it out. But I, I, I think they're the same because those teams go as Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis does. I mean, mm-hmm. you take Johnny Davis off Wisconsin, that team's struggling to hit 50 points a game. And I think if you take Keegan Murray off of Iowa, I mean, they'll still score, but um, it, it takes the dynamite out of that offense, what they're able to accomplish. Which team, I'll ask you this question, which team do you think at the end of the year, I know Wisconsin's super hot right now, which team at the end of the year you think is going to be in the best shape for the conference uh, tournament for, you know, for the overall tournament, who has, who's in better shape at the end of the end of the season? Yeah, this is going to kill me to say, because I don't like giving Wisconsin basketball their credit as a Michigan state fan. It's not something I enjoy doing, but I will go with Wisconsin on this one uh, for a couple of reasons. I think that Johnny Davis is the national player of the year as of today uh, with the basketball he is playing. And it's more so of a thing where Johnny Davis is more of a player who I think when they're struggling, they just give him the ball and he knows what to do. He scores at all three levels. He plays extremely well on defense. Uh, Keegan Murray was a great player. They putting up great stats this year, shooting great from the field, but he's not necessarily a guy who I would be like throwing the ball, go get us a bucket. Johnny Davis has been that guy. For Wisconsin this year and also Wisconsin's supporting cast I don't think is the greatest but I think it's a lot better than Iowa is and you know if Keegan Murray isn't going for 40 points a game which is what I mean or 30 points a game which is what he's has what he's done many times this year I think Iowa doesn't really have a chance in any basketball game uh Johnny Davis has to do the same but I think he has a little bit more around him guys like Brad Davison they can score a little bit uh Tyler Wall actually had a really good game against Maryland he showed a little something as well so if they can get some guys to put in a little more contribution I think that they have the ability to so between those two teams I would I think Wisconsin is going to be in a better situation come March uh I'll, I'll get to the Boilermakers here certainly the most talented team the scariest team on paper uh, possibly in the country, I think you could you could make that case. What is wrong with them? Because I, you know, for for a while there, it just kind of felt like if they're not hitting their threes, everything falls apart. If yeah. they go a stretch, uh, you know, eight nine minutes where they're zero for seven from three, the the wheels are are coming off. Yeah, it's it's more so defensively, I think, is Purdue's biggest issue. They have not been able to stop anybody. I mean, they let Johnny Davis, they let one player come into their home arena and drop 30, 
five points and 14 rebounds. That's just not something you can do. It's not something I expect out of a team, one, as talented as Purdue is, and two, as well coached as Purdue is. I'm a very big advocate of Matt Painter as a coach. I think he's one of the coaches that is a really good coach who has yet to get over the hump of, you know, getting that final four under his belt. I think he has a chance to do that this year, but this team has to be way better uh, defensively. I, they've been giving up a lot of points this year, not to just to Wisconsin, but even the teams like Penn state, NC state, they let uh, Demarion Sebron almost give them 30 that, points. That was I mean, brutal. Yeah. They've been really struggling defensively. And then also down the stretch, it just seems we're a situation where you have such a dynamic guard like Jay Nivey, but he doesn't really have the ball in his hands down the stretch, whether that be because Matt Painter doesn't trust him to slow down and see the game or, you know, just a situation where Jay Nivey is not in the, he just doesn't, he's not trusted as a player to make the right decision because he's so reliant on his athleticism and his speed. He's always just go, go, go. But sometimes you got to slow down at the end of basketball games and make the right play. And I don't know if Matt Painter trusts Jay Nivey to do that right now or, or if he has the ability to do so. So I think their main thing is defensively because the talent is there, but they have to get stops. Like they have not been able to get stops these last couple of weeks at all. I'll, I'll round out the Big Ten here. And I'm omitting uh, Ohio State because, uh, well, fuck them. Uh, <laughs> the, the rest of the Big Ten, uh, Northwestern, Penn State, um nebraska maryland Rutgers, even uh the warriors of the raritan it really feels like on any given night and we've seen Rutgers do this already we saw maryland almost accomplish it against wisconsin um it really seems like any given night they any of these teams could pull off a just a major upset at home um it, out of those teams it is is there one or two that you, or, or maybe more that you think are going to uh, end up making the tournament here? Uh, out of those teams, I would say Rutgers. I think they got the talent. They got guys like Geo Baker, Ron Harper. I think Cliff Omarui is only going to get better throughout the year. They're a Don't team forget that I Mulcahy. High. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, oh, I got to shout him out. I was really high on Rutgers coming into this year. Actually, I really like Steve Peichel and I was loving all the things that I heard from him when I was down at Big Ten Media Day. So I was sipping on the Rutgers Kool-Aid. Uh, they got out to a slow start. They're starting to figure things out a little bit. Um, you know what I think it is, though? I, I And, you know, I have the benefit of hindsight here because we're we're taping as as it's 2635 in State College right now. It's just mm. electric. Um, will they hit a hundred? Uh, yeah, I, I really think if Rutgers plays a decent defense, a, a, a decent to good defense, Penn state is a, they play very, very legit defense and they slow it down. Michigan state, one of the more defensively efficient teams. I think you could throw a few others. I think Illinois has a pretty defensively efficient team. They they might get smoked. They they just I, I don't I don't know if they if they can play against a good defense. I don't think this team's built for it. But to your point, you when you play Iowa, when you play uh Purdue, when you play uh a Northwestern per se, teams that don't play defense, I mean they can put up some points. They're they're capable of hitting open shots. Yeah, definitely. I mean it's just there's 
there's always a chance I think to lose in this in the Big Ten Conference like I think it's a three to four team race for the title right now and it's not as deep as it has been in the past but look you get to the team that aren't even as good or as with the same level as those top teams you play a team like Indiana you got to go against a guy like Trace Jackson Davis who's an all-American Big Ten player of the year candidate like you have to play those guys on a nightly basis guys like Ron Harper Jr. can go for 30 on any given night so you gotta be ready to give your best even a team you'll consider to be the bottom of the Big Ten, a Minnesota, a Nebraska. Uh, for Minnesota, Jamison Battle has been playing really well this yeah. year. And then for Nebraska, though they don't have all the talent in the world. They have McGowan's, who is going to be a first-round NBA draft pick, I think, late first round, maybe even play himself in a better position. So they have talent. There's talent throughout the Big Ten. So you got to be ready to play or you're going to lose. All right, Carter, I can't thank you enough, man, for coming on and, and uh, schooling us up on, on your takes on the Big Ten. Where can we find you? What are you into? Because I see you all the time. You, you were talking to Keegan Murray. You'll be talking to more guys. Uh, Field of 68 is, has, like, everybody that's important in college basketball stopping through. So I'm sure they're going to be showing up on the show. Where can we find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at Carter Elliott. That's with two L's and two T's and then two underscores after that. Uh, that's my Twitter account. And then uh, myself and my co-host, my co-pod head host, uh, Greg Waddell. You can follow us at Sleepers Media. That's on Twitter. And we have a YouTube and, you know, all the other social medias, Instagram, things like that. Uh, we drop a weekly unscripted, which is a Michigan State podcast. Um We'll have Brandon Wood on there this week to talk some Michigan State basketball. So he's a really cool dude. We'll have him on there this week. And then uh, we also do some things for the Field of 68 for the After Dark show that they have on a nightly basis on college basketball. Um, so you can really find us at those two spots. We put everything on our Twitter pages and things like that. And uh, I appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. No, I, it's, it's great to have you on. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on um in in a few weeks and and see where we're at with this uh big 10 season and and see where your thoughts are oh yeah works for me if anybody is into sports betting go right now and look up the odds for michigan state to win the big 10 i guarantee you can get it at some great um, you can get it at some great odds on the michigan state spartans we're only getting better this year i'm telling you (laughs) oh well you you know what you just would hate to see it you would hate to see it uh Carter, oh, you, appreciate oh, you, you. Oh, you would hate this. I, I, I got some victory laughs and some receipts to take on some Michigan fans that they don't make the tournament this year. Just let that be known. <laughs> oh, well, look, you know what? I, I think we're all going to be sad that the parade down Main Street Ann Arbor, it, it, it might have to be canceled. Yeah, they can have an NIT championship or something. <laughs> the, the, the CBA championship. Uh, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> all right carter appreciate you man thank you for coming on and uh we'll be back right after this short break all right thanks to carter elliott again i hope you guys check him out sleepers media unscripted uh show on field of 68 joined now by my dude my guy spencer luganville co-host of the show spencer how are you brother I'm good, my man. I think I'm finally starting to get over this this little bug. The fatigue's still there, but uh, I I feel like I actually talk for half an hour now. So things are looking up in that way. Got a great slate for Thursday. Kind of feel like I'm on top of a couple good games. Obviously, I have my one dirtbag degenerate game. I always have to add in, but excited. You know, 
each step, each day close to March Madness, man. Very excited. I haven't been able to cover this for the year. Excited to really kind of dig deep for that March Madness stuff as well. Yeah, and we're going to be doing that next week. Kai McKeon from Three Man Weaver. Finally getting another Weaver uh, outside of Jim Root onto the program. But Jim will be back. Jim's a great friend, too. Is he uh, better than Jim Root? Because Jim Root is like – That's tough. I don't know see, but he's, he's up there in the echelon. Kai, Kai's very good. He is okay. very smart. I trust Kai. Uh, we just need to get Maddie Cox on, and, and we'll be set. We'll have all the Weavers. But uh, – yeah, very excited about that. That's coming at you next week. Me and Spencer, when we come back, uh, we'll be with Kai. So it'll be great. Uh, look, I we got three games apiece. <laughs> we had to do a little bit of due diligence. Spencer's got three actual normal, well, two normal games. Two normal. One degenerate uh, anonymous game. I have three games that you may need to look up to verify if they're accredited Division One schools, but we're we're gonna get you set, Spencer. Why don't you why don't you give the good people a good game to start off? So let's start off with the best game for Ken Palm for tomorrow: Wisconsin home versus Ohio State. Listen, I, I I've tried to watch as much as I can of the Big Ten this year. It's not my favorite, but Definitely one that I just want to, you know, watch more of, I guess, is the right way to look at it. And Wisconsin, two-point favorites. I just think overall when you look at both of these teams, the Wisconsin defense, man, they are a swarming, swarming bunch. And I feel like you have a solid player, EJ Liddell for Ohio State, but who's that second guy, you know, that can take as much of the ball when he's getting double, triple teamed I just like Wisconsin at home here. Overall, when you look through the Ohio State schedule, et cetera, they have three losses, Xavier, Florida, Indiana, and they have already beaten Wisconsin this year, and they beat them decisively. But that was at home. We all know home and away matters a lot, I think more in college than than in the pros. The game against Indiana was a loss that was away. And I think overall, you know, the two of the three losses were away. One was a neutral court. They came back. They beat Northwestern real easily. I just think when you look at these two teams competitively, Ohio State is number 11th adjusted efficiency. Wisconsin's 31st in defense. Then you have Wisconsin as the 37th offense. Ohio State's 62 in defense. I just feel like Wisconsin's more of the same team. Like you're going to get an equal part defense and offense where I think Ohio State, you can get a really good offensive game or you get a really bad defensive game sometimes. And overall, the Ohio State defense does not really get the ball turned over. First of all, Wisconsin's number two in the nation, and that that's by far one of the best numbers I've seen all year. And, yeah, Ohio State shoots the ball well, but I don't think when they're getting these extra points off turnovers and off offensive rebounding, I, for me, I just like Wisconsin. I, the minus two is more, I think, of just you know the home field advantage type thing, but I think that the line may even go down because of how, of what a beating Ohio State gave them the first time out, maybe weigh on this line a little bit, maybe try and get Wisconsin more of pick them, you know, at a point or at a point. All right. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you um, too much. I, I think this line is going to be really interesting to follow. Uh, so please stay tuned to that because I think line movement is going to tell you exactly where this one's going to fall. This feels like, it feels like Ken, Ken may uh, have this slightly wrong a little bit. Uh, 
I'm going to give you, I'm going to go to the horizon. You know, it's my favorite league. Oakland taking on the Vikings of Cleveland State. I was on Cleveland State, full transparency. I was on them against Bob Morris, and they barely won. I mean, by a point. And Bob Morris is a team depleted. Uh, Youngstown State, they had to go to overtime to beat them. This is a Cleveland State I'm not used to because last year this was a team that made the Horizon Finals, was dominant. I mean, their defense would take over. They had a lot of great guard play. They could hit you down low. They could board everything. They were a solid fundamental team. But this year it's just not there. It's just not there. And you're taking on an Oakland team where, you know, look, say what you want. I'm a Greg Campy slappy. Uh, He's been on the program. I'm a big fan of what he's done over his 30-year career at Oakland. But this team's cooking. I mean, Jamal Cain's the best player in the horizon, period. That's the end of the story. Jalen Moore is capable of putting up major buckets. Trey Townsend down in the low block, uh, he's putting up 19 a game. I mean, they've got serious firepower. Do they have the depth that Cleveland State may have? No. No, I, I think Cleveland State can go to the bench and be all right. But, you know, this Oakland team got battle tested. You know, they played they played Bama tough. They, they've played some big D1 schools pretty tough. Have a win over Oklahoma State. Ha- have a win over uh, West Virginia. I mean, and we're talking about the Big 12 possibly being the strongest of the conferences currently. I mean, this Oakland team, they are running rough shot over the horizon right now. And I don't see how it doesn't continue. Um, I do like, though, the over in this game. And, and, and I'm going to project it using Spencer uh, and his handy-dandy uh, notebook there. Shout out Blue's Clues. Uh, you know, real G's know. Uh I'm, I'm guessing total is going to open at 147, 148. I like the over here. Cleveland State's just not playing defense. When you give up to 77 and 80 to, to Bob Morris and, and Youngstown State, it's not good. And you can go back further. Uh, that IPFW game, I mean, they're playing better. The Mastodons are playing better, but it just doesn't hold up. I think Oakland is going to stifle them. Cleveland State, they figured out this tricky zone last year in the meetings that they had with Oakland. I just think Oakland, you know, I see it as like maybe even a team total over for Oakland uh, because I see Oakland 84, uh, Cleveland State 76, 78, something like that. I think we get into the mid-150s. I think Oakland uh, team total might be a a decent play there too. but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Greg Campy and the Grizz. Spencer, what you got? I will say this before I get to my next one. Youngstown State has made me has made some good money this year for me. I, they do have a couple of good shooters, and I think at least one of those games that I bet on them there was a conference game. They looked really really good against not I wouldn't say inferior team, but I, Youngstown State I think for what they are can surprise a team here and now. So I don't think it's that bad that they gave up that many points to them. My second game. Going back to another team, you know, kind of bring in the old Ohio State stuff with me as well. Seton Hall. Seton Hall and Ohio State played probably one of the best games I've seen all year. I think overall, when you look at it, Seton Hall, you know, the three-point loss to Ohio State. They lost to Providence. They lost to Villanova. The loss to Providence, super scary. The loss to Villanova is not. 
I think, though, when you come right back, you beat Connecticut in overtime. You take care of business against Butler. Listen, the next couple of games, Marquette, Providence on the, on the revenge, St. John's back-to-back in Marquette, that's a scary little schedule. So I think that they try to take care of business. It could be a little bit of a trappy game, but I, overall, looking at just the stats in general, bench minutes, Seton Hall seems to be a little bit deeper than this. They're 55th in Ken Palm, 37.7%. Compared to 298 for DePaul. And listen, Seton Hall does not shoot the three well, percentage-wise at least. They're 30.3%. Two-point percentage is 51%. They really shoot free throws well. I think this game can come down to free throws. Six points, it's kind of scary. But I wonder if maybe Seton Hall can't hit a three at the end and then just kind of finish it out with some free throws. All right, let's go out to the Summit League, a game uh, I'm going to play against this team again. I played against them uh, last week, and it worked out for me. Going to do it here again. Look, North Dakota has done the impossible this year. They have done the impossible. They have managed to be, become the worst defense in the country, taking that title from Mississippi Valley State. And God bless them for doing it. Uh, the Delta Devils deserved a break. North Dakota's horrific defensively. I mean, this is this is bad. I mean, 75 to South Dakota, uh, 93 points to Denver, the, the Pios, uh, 98 points to Nebraska Omaha. That I mean, you want to talk about some of the worst teams in the country, and you're giving up almost a hundred. To Nebraska Omaha, it's, it's that's bad news. Western Illinois, well, a layup you know, line. Yeah, it is a layup line. It is a layup line. And Western Illinois, this is a team. You know, earlier in the season, wins against uh, Nebraska to start the year. They had a close loss, real close loss to DePaul. Uh, beat a couple MAC schools, Miami Ohio, Ball State. I mean, this is not. A horrible team they went through a real tough stretch there I think they were battling some injuries and some COVID issues have a break come back against Oral Roberts who you know is really in that contention in the Summit League and they lose by one right off the break I think this team is humming I, I think you jump on this team total uh, I think Western Illinois is a, a solid spread play uh, I think you had the line at like seven or eight uh, I think Western Illinois easily gets over 81, 81 and a half. I'm going to be betting that team total as soon as I get a chance to. Western Illinois team total over be my play. Spencer, why don't you, why don't you uh, show off your degeneracy? Give us uh, your last play. American versus Holy Cross in the Patriot League. Two teams that, you know, 20 losses combined. I think already less than 10 wins overall. Holy Cross is a one-point favorite. I know it's not the biggest of the lines, but I just feel overall with two big time losing programs like this to try to take against the favor in a conference game. American, listen, their effective field goal percentage is 48.5. It's 229 Ken Palm. It's really like the better stat. 322 is Holy Crosses. And I just feel overall, they don't turn the American doesn't turn over the ball as much. 204 to 218. It's pretty much identical. This game is just going to come down to a bucket. I just like American here who can shoot the ball a little better. Their two-point percentage is 48.8. Holy Cross gives up 56.2%. And I just, 
when you're going to be able to give up quote unquote, the layup line or, you know, easy buckets inside the paint, I don't need them to score seven or eight threes a game to try to win this game. I just like American here. I think overall as well, when you look at Holy Cross, their three main wins have all been at home. But for me, give me American. I just think they're going to end up with a better shooting night than Holy Cross. Going to nine o'clock, I'm going to look at this Aggies-Texans match. New Mexico State and Tarleton State here. Tarleton State plays phenomenal defense. And, uh, you know, it goes without saying this is a team that has been on this show multiple times mentioned. They, I mean, they play Gonzaga tough. They play Michigan tough. This team, when they can slow down the game and get their style of ball going, they can absolutely be a nuisance. And New Mexico State, they, they've come back with a fury this year. I mean, they're they're number one in the MAC, fourteen and two. They've really been putting a hurting on teams, but I don't think they've played a defensive juggernaut like Tarleton State. I, the only team I could find recently that plays in a similar way is is Washington State, and I think a lot of the teams that New Mexico State, what makes them so dangerous, and I think longer term. You know, they, they might be a shoe-in to uh, win the conference tournament. And that's because, look, if, if teams are going to run, these guys are more than fine with running with you. They're more than happy to do it. But against Tarleton State, who's going to slow this game to a crawl, I think New Mexico State's going to oblige them as well. Because I think they want to, uh, in theory, play a little bit uh, slower on the slower end. It, 160 in terms of pace. Tarleton State's in the 300s, right? Tarleton State can only win this game by slowing it down. I think tenaciously uh, they're going to defend this ball. And, you know, they they just get buckets. They, I mean, Tarleton State is just a scrappy, tough team. I'm looking at a total somewhere underneath 130. If I can get 130, 131, I'm, I'm looking at that as a real strong play. Um, I think it'll probably open at 128, 129, somewhere around there. Um, it still might be playable because I really see this as a, you know, 64, 58 type game. I think it's going to be real mucky. Uh, so I'm going to lean towards the under there. Uh, that'll wrap us up. Spencer, thanks for the time, brother. What do you got going on Red Board Rewind this week? So I just dropped it this morning. It was me and uh, my man, John Pinder, who uh, does some nice writing for Gulfstream Park over at in the money podcast.com for this weekend. I'm thinking somebody from Santa Anita, they got a nice little state card out there and uh, I'll drop it here. I'm starting to do some polls on Twitter. I think I'm actually gonna make a straw poll this time to where it's not a bunch of separate polls where we can kind of, I will give you guys a chance to vote on what races you want to see us cover. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy to finally, you know, in the second, third year, wherever year we're in now at this point with this podcast, just allowing you guys to give that much more, suggestions to help me with the pod it kind of you know not that it makes it easier for me but it's nice to hear you know okay i want to talk about this race obviously the top race last week poll wise was the stake race which ended up being a good race i just missed julian leperu caught me again on a turf stake race so it's what it is but excited looking forward to having someone from santinia probably probably an older probably a guest i have had on before and you know we'll see where it goes Beautiful stuff, man. I'll, I'll be on with PTF this week. 
uh, looking at Aqueduct. I'm looking forward to that. Getting getting the juices flowing for the ponies running in circles, even though we got a great college basketball season going. I think overall, just it's funny. Everyone says, you know, oh, the you know, when you get sports betting legal in your state, how how much you know the, will the ponies drop? I don't think it's going to drop that much for me, honestly. I think I'm still going to be playing the ponies just as much, but I'll be adding, you know, all that other extra stuff to the toolbox, including, you know, obviously being able to play my Premier League teams. That's a uh, that's been well, good so far. You know, the thing is, the thing is for me, I, th- I I I think it does drop because, you know, personally, I I mean, college football season comes. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at a card on Saturday. Yeah, I'm just not going to play Saturday. I mean. My thing is, I like I was talking with Matt Vernier earlier this week, uh, which you can find in, in the show archives. I, I just kind of, you know, I pop smoke come September 1st and you'll catch me back. You know, I'll pop in there here and there, you know, Wood Memorial and all that good stuff. And bring we'll talk about Matty B real quick and how much stuff he's putting out for everything everywhere between the Matt Vernier show. Yeah. His- his NHL picks, his college you want, basketball. You want to know the secret? Woo! You want to know the secret? I'm ready. No kids, and that and that'll have it. That that's breaking news, folks. That that'll. <laughs> Point. I mean, they they are a blessing. Um, folks, thank you very much for joining in. Check out Cardiali once again. Check out Spencer over at Redboard Rewind on the In the Money Podcast Network. We'll see you soon. We got a big show. Coming up next week with Kai McKeon, and we got some more guests coming along that uh, get, getting into recruiting, uh, getting into some more college football stuff now that the season's over. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, for Spencer and Carter, I'm Stu. We'll see you next time.